Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path and the journeys of our lives. Some find purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and my biggest word of all is to give hope. Today, my guest is Shane Therian. Shane was able to overcome and beat the odds after being diagnosed with a life-threatening spinal cord tumor at just 22 years of age and has been able to inspire thousands with his testimony. In his debut book titled The Greatest Gift I Never Asked For, he shares his journey and how he went from something so traumatic and scary to something viewed as the biggest blessing he could ever ask for. Please help me welcome my guest, Shane. Hi, Shane. Hello, Christine. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be a part of this, so thank you. Yes, and um, you know, there's a, we've never met uh, hardly any of the people I've actually interviewed I've ever met, so when it comes to someone sharing their story, they're they're being vulnerable, so I have to say thank you to allow me as a total stranger to uh, uh, share your story to the world. Absolutely. So, 22, that's young. That's what, college age? Yep. So, how did you get diagnosed with? Yeah. Um, so, growing up as a kid, I was always actively involved in sports. And so, a, a dream of mine as a young kid was to play college basketball. And so, when I was younger, I was always involved in like baseball and other sports. But for some reason, I always kind of gravitated towards basketball. And into my high school days, um, I, I was better at other sports. Like I was more naturally gifted in, into like baseball or uh, soccer. But there's just something about basketball that I just really fell in love with. Um, and as I got into my high school years, I really started focusing so much on that. I would spend a lot of my time, like I'd, I'd go to school and I'd do my homework, but I really wasn't focusing so much on the other sports. I stopped playing baseball. Um, I stopped playing soccer because I really just wanted to focus on, on basketball because I wanted to play college basketball one day. Um, and so I was spending so much time in the gym and so much time like weight training and strength training and working on like plyometrics and all these different things, watching videos. Um, and so this was like in early 2000s, around 2000 is when I was a freshman in high school. Um, and I started to get a little better. I went to U of A basketball camps in Tucson. Um, they had a really good program around that time. Lute Olson was the coach. They ended up winning the championship in 97. And so gained a lot of skills from that. Um, and simultaneously, as I was really honing in on a lot of my, you know, athletic ability and skills towards basketball, um, growing up, I'm kind of going to jump back a little bit, um, but growing up, um, I didn't really have God in my, in my life at all. My parents, they were raised Catholic. They were forced into church, um, kind of didn't agree with a lot of the different things. So, um, I have a younger sister and when we were growing up, my parents just said, Hey, we're not going to force our kids to go to church. Whatever you guys want to do, just go ahead and, you know, free game basically. Right. Um, and so I was born in California and then we moved to Flagstaff, Arizona in 91 when I was seven years old. And I had a friend that I met that lived just down the street from us. Um, and we ended up becoming really good friends. He was a year younger than me, but all through school, we ended up, you know, just being really super close. Um, and so his family was Christian. And so he would always invite me to go to, you know, events like, Hey, come to church with us or, um, Hey, we're, we're doing this thing at our house, come with us. And so he really 
um, exposed God to me and his family shared that with me. And I got a part of it. Right. Um, and I always thought to myself, like, I'm not a bad kid. I'm not, you know, going off and drinking and doing those different types of things or partying. Like, why do I need God in my life? Um, and so to speed it up a little bit, when I was 16, he invited me to Christ in youth camp, COI camp in California. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And he's like, well, we're, we're going to be going to like a roller coaster. Uh, we're going to be going to six flags. We're going to be going to the beach and just, you know, just come hang out with me. And he's like, my parents will even pay for it. I was like, okay, sure. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll join you. That sounds like fun. Sure. You had me at the word beach. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. And, and roller uh, coasters so we, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Roller coasters for sure. And uh, so we get there and that's when I had a life-changing experience. Um, we It was like the second to last night that we were there and they were asking people to like come up and speak um, about their experience of students um, that were there because um, this was a, a high school uh, event. Okay. And as I was just listening there, I, I just prayed to God and I was like, God, if you're real, like, show me, like, just show up. Like we're going through this crazy experience. I'm hearing all these scriptures and um, we're worshiping at that time. And I was like, just show up. And I felt the Holy Spirit, like, fill me and my body just gets super warm. And I was just like, oh my goodness, what is happening? Like, this is crazy. I've never felt like anything like this at, at all in my life. And so God answered my prayer, right? He just, he showed up. The Holy Spirit was in me. Um, and we had a closing after ceremony uh, with just our smaller group. Because when you go to those camps, there's uh, a lot of different schools that go there or uh, different groups. So we went there uh, afterwards and had a closing ceremony. There was some students that wanted to share some things throughout the week that they had gone through. And it was a supernatural experience in there. We had the person reading scripture out of the Bible, a, a student to closing it, reading it verbatim to other people saying they saw angels to other students, like just being filled with the Holy spirit and just hugging one another. And so that's when I felt the true love of God. And at that moment, um, I realized, wow, like my parents don't know this, you know, my family hasn't experienced this. I, I know that. And so what can I do to help them know like God's real? Um, so I, they offered some baptisms, you know, there at, at the beach, which would have been cool, but I was afraid. I was timid. I was, I was unsure. That's what I wanted to do, do even though I felt that experience. And so right. lining up with my basketball experience, you know, back again in, in high school through that same time, um, I continued to pray for my parents through this whole time and my family and my friends, even though I hadn't been baptized, I was saved in my heart. Like I, I knew God, I started living my life towards that direction and I wanted that for, for, for my family. And so I told God in that moment, I was like, whatever you want to do through me, I'm willing to go through something, you know, or, or just tell them whatever it is to have my family experience you. Um, and so as I graduated high school, I got a job as an electrician and, um, I still was doing basketball. I'd get off work. I'd go to the gym. I'd be there for eight hours. I was working out and, um, I was really overlooked a lot too in sports. Um, I was smaller, took me a lot longer to kind of grow and, uh, catch up to the rest of the athletes. Um, 
And so really, I finally got my opportunity when I was like 21, which if you think like college athletes days, you're usually 18, you go right in to get a scholarship. But for me, I didn't care if I just played one year, like that was just my goal. Like I really just wanted to play. And so right when I was 21, I finally was getting noticed. I was playing with a lot of the NAU basketball players in Flagstaff. Um, I was getting hit up by coaches to say, hey, come try out for us. And so uh, in 2006, towards the end of the year, I was 21. hadn't quite turned 22 yet. And Glendale Community College invited me to go try out for them. Uh, So I went down there. I tried out. Felt like I did really good. never got a call back. Um, but during that time I didn't get a call back. I had a bigger issue because I started noticing my balance was off a little bit when I was playing or, um, I'd go to get a ball or make a play and just something was off and it progressively was getting worse to the point where I was not able to wake up in the morning and get out of bed. Like my neck was so painful and I was like, man, what did I do when I was working out? Did I just like slip a disc? Did I get a pinched nerve? Um, and it was, it was kind of funny at the time because my boss is an electrician. I'm calling him and I'm telling him, you know, I'm 21 years old, right? I'm telling him, I'm calling him like, hey, I can't get out of bed. Like, I can't come into work. And he's probably, he's just like, yeah, okay, it's whatever. Like you went out. Like, you're just... He's probably thinking you were, you were out partying or having too much fun the night before. And you're like giving the typical I'm sick thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was like, no, I'm serious. I'm really, I really don't know what's going on. And there was one specific morning. I remember waking up where I literally could not. And I dragged myself, my parents had a, a jacuzzi and I dragged myself downstairs and got in the jacuzzi. And I just had the jets on my neck for like three hours straight, just trying to relieve the pressure and the pain. And finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to go get checked out. Um, just being stubborn. <laughs> and so finally went and got checked out. And when I was getting like, um, massage therapies, I went and got like a chiropractic readjustment and it, it would work for like a day or two, but nothing would really, you know, fix it. It would just come back. And I'm just like, man, what is going on? And so eventually uh, my chiropractor, I knew we, we had played like basketball together and stuff. And he's like, what if we just go, you know, give you an MRI? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So I went and got an MRI and then, uh, it was like another week or so before I was waiting for the results. Hadn't been working at that time. Hadn't been playing basketball. wasn't even, you know, thinking about that at this time. I was just really focused on trying to get better. And so had an appointment with the, um, neurologist in Flagstaff. And so I, I show up there, I, I show up there by myself. Um, and I'm just like, right, they're just going to tell me I got a pinched nerve or something. And I don't got to worry about anything. What do I got to do? I got a basketball dream to pursue. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm fine. And so I get in there and he's like, Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm Dr. Nick, Dr. Nicholson. And I was like, Oh, nice to meet you. And he's like, here's, you know, your MRI. Have you ever had anything before like this? I said, no, I don't really know anything about it. I've, you know, had some broken bones, but nothing serious. And he's like, okay, well, here's, you know, here's the image. Here's your spinal cord. And he's like, here's, you know, the white part signifies your, your spinal cord. And then he's like, see all this stuff that's filled in the middle here. He's like, that's a spinal cord tumor. And at that moment, I didn't know what to think. Like, like, did I just hear him? Right. Like he just told me that I had it. Like, I didn't even know what a spinal cord tumor was. Like, I didn't even really know what a tumor was at all at this time. And so I'm standing up as he's telling me this. And I was just like in my own world at that. He was still talking. I didn't recollect anything that he said at that point. I was Mm -hmm. just like, Oh my gosh. So I sat down and I just, 
had all these thoughts going through my head, like, okay, well, for, like, am I okay? Like, am I going to die? Like, do I have cancer? Is like, can medicine help fix this? Right. And so, honestly, I don't remember the rest of the conversation except for he said, well, we'll schedule another follow-up appointment to schedule your surgery. And we got to do something soon because if not, you're going to die. And I was just like, okay. So I'm processing all this information in literally a split second. Um, and I, I leave, I'm driving home. I still have lived with my parents at the time and I'm driving home and I'm just bawling because I'm just like, why me? Right. Like, and what, and what now? Right. Yeah. And, and what now? And I have, I have this dream to, to look after and, and, you know, I'm a good kid. I haven't done anything wrong. And so I get home, I tell my, you know, I'm, I'm pulling in the driveway and my parents are there. And so I tell them and, you know, we're all emotional. So my parents are like asking a whole bunch of questions and I, I have like no idea. Right. Yeah. Because I just checked out. And so we go back to uh, the hospital the same day because we just called them back and said, Hey, can we follow up? My parents have questions. So long story short, we got our questions answered and Flagstaff had never done a surgery like this at all before. They had never heard of anything like this really. Um, the experts were in San Francisco and New York. So my parents, you know, being loving parents that they are, they were on the phone with people from New York and San Francisco. And as I'm driving with them back to the you know, the hospital, go talk to the doctor, you know, I'm talking with God and, and asking him questions why. And I, it was really strange because I just felt this peace overcome me, like everything was going to be okay. And it was really weird because on my way home, I'm feeling one way and then on the way back, I'm like feeling this peace overcome me. Wow. And so as my parents are talking through everything and phone calls, um, I really knew what this was for. And I, I had an epiphany with God and I remembered when I was 16 and I prayed for my parents to know. And the doctors who were in that appointment told us that this tumor takes five to six years to grow. Okay. And I was just like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm, I'm 21, almost turning 22. I was praying for my parents when I was 16. This has taken five to six years to grow. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay, I have a purpose. Like this, this is going to be something that I'm going to get through and I have a, you know, a reason. And so it, God really just showed me that. And so we scheduled the surgery for like a couple of weeks after that. It was March 30th. And a couple of weeks before this, our church group, some of the same people that went to the CIY, one of my really good friends, Chris, um, he went on a trip to have a supai with a couple of the other kids and he ended up drowning and have a supai falls like two weeks before my oh, surgery. No. And so that was like another added, you know, thing, but it, um, he was a very God loving person and, and all after God. So if anything, I looked to him for like how I should represent myself as a Christian and, and the things that I should do um, as a mentor, and, as a guidance. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that was another struggle on top of this. Um, right. And so, so going into, into surgery um, again, I didn't know anything about surgery at all. I've never experienced anything. And so the doctor just said, okay, we, you know, we're going to go in six in the morning. You're going to be there. You're going to go, you know, get prepped and all that stuff. So I go in for surgery. My family's there. I had a couple of friends in my youth group there. They were all praying for me prior to going in. And so I, I, I go into surgery and the, the first thing I remember coming out of surgery was just like drogginess and blurriness and 
in so much pain and i'm just like what is going on now and so the nurses came up to me and they just said hey you know your surgery went well um and they were asking me if i wanted to keep things for my surgery and you know i was in i was in good spirits at that time um you know probably because i was a lot on a lot of morphine but also <laughs> right <laughs> also you know i had that bigger purpose in mind to where i was like okay like I, I'm under the radar. There's teammates, high school friends, um, old teachers that I grew up with, friends of friends that are aware of my situation now, like it impacted a lot of people. How I'm going to react to this could affect all of those people in a positive way or in a negative way. And it's really up to me in that moment, what I want to do. And so as I'm waking up and, and I can't move, I am like a vegetable basically i can't feed myself i can't clothe myself i can't bathe myself i had to rely on everybody to do that mm-hmm. um and so i had that mindset right away of like positivity and you know i'm gonna take it in chunks and just go every single day and see where i you know see where i come from out of it and so rehab was um the doctors had told me um also uh, my parents, I should say, when I was under that, it was an eight hour surgery and they weren't sure if I was going to actually make it through the surgery because when you're affecting, um, my spinal cord tumor was at the base of my neck, um, down to like the middle of my spine. And when you're affecting that part of your spinal cord, it messes with your respiratory, um, a lot. And so they weren't sure if I was going to be able to breathe on my own. Um, that was a concern. So they had to test that as I was under, um, they were definitely, you know, thinking I wasn't ever going to walk again. That was like, yeah, you're probably not going to walk. And then the chance of me living past five years after the surgery, if even if everything went well, was like a 60% chance. Wow. And so I, my parents are getting all this information and they're not sharing that with me. Um, you know, in that moment, right. That, that'd be crazy information. Very negative. In that moment. Yeah, very negative. You don't need anything more added to what your body's already stressed out by. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, another piece of that too was they didn't get all of my tumor. They said that if they were to go any lower, that they would have paralyzed me for sure um, because of how long it was. And so what they did with the surgery was they ended up, you know, splitting my back open and then they ended up having to take what's called your spinous process. You have a little bump on the back of your neck with the bone sticks out. I had eight of those removed, like just basically dremeled out. So then you can get into the spinal cord and you cut the spinal cord open to be able to get to the tumor. And then they kind of just put me back together. I didn't have like a, a brace or any type of metal put back in or screws or anything. They just put me back together. Um, and so, I'm in rehab, uh, you know, in, in ICU for like three days. Um, doctor said, I'm going to be in here for like three months, probably not going to get out of there anytime sooner. And so three, three days in I'm out of ICU. They didn't really know what to do with me at that point because they never experienced that in Flagstaff. And so they take me to, um, rehab basically to where I can start doing motor skills. People can start working with me. Um, and so a lot of what that looked like was, learning how to eat was the first step. How can I be able to get my arms up to my face to where I could be able to eat something? Cause it was just extremely painful. Um, I couldn't move. They had to pick me up and move me so I wouldn't get bed sores. And that was like most, even on morphine, most pain ever. It was really intense. Um, so eventually after I started 
being able to, you know, feed myself, then it was, okay, can you brush your teeth? Can you swing your legs out off to the side of the bed and stand up? Um, and, and it's just progress every single day. And I was so motivated and I had so many people I had cards my room was littered with cards and and people coming in constantly they actually had to start kicking people out because so many people were wanting to come visit me um and 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 when you're in the hospital like this too you don't sleep um you, you know you're I'm getting injected with blood thinners like every few hours I got leg warmers on I got an oxygen monitor that's beeping when I get below 95% I got you know, if I have to use the bathroom, that's a whole nother story. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a very exhausting time. And on top of that, you're trying to get your body in a state of, you know, improving and getting better. Right. And you're, and you're not hungry, you're not wanting to eat. And so your mind in that point is really what controls the outcome. When you're in that situation, you really have to focus and say, okay, I'm going to drive forward. I'm going to continue the next step. And being connected with God through all of that is really the root. Because when you start to have negative thoughts creep in your mind, God's there to be able to help bring you past that mm-hmm. um, and and be that comfort. And I, and I think so many times when we are in situations of uh, tragedy out of our control and we ask why me we we look to people sometimes to kind of fill that because Mm -hmm. they're you know you can really feel them you could see them you could touch them whereas god we kind of maybe don't feel that as much whereas in the end we're, we're we can't rely on people for what god's going to do because at the end we're not going to get fulfilled in the way that we wanted um or we probably will experience disappointment from that and so getting connected with god through that and having that positive mindset is really what drove me, you know, through to try and get better. And so, so what was the recovery time on this? Because we're coming short on time and I wanted to actually share a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write the book. So obviously you have lived past the five years they projected was not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You yep. are able to walk and do normal functions as you did prior to this surgery, yes? Yep. And yeah, then- I, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was in the hospital two and a half weeks. Okay. So they told wow. me three months. I was two and a half weeks. And when I left, I was not walking, um, but I was motivated. I was like, I, I ended up ditching the crutches and then I was actually wakeboarding three months later. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. What you believe yeah. in for sure is is not just for your soul, but your mind too. You, you, I always tell people your mind is the most powerful thing you can possess, right? And you do mm-hmm. feed its thoughts and, and negativity is going to wear it down. And it sounds like you're like, you know what? You can tell me all you want about what you think I'm going to do, but I'm going to show you what I'm going to do because it's not going to be laying in this bed and trying to figure out how I'm going to start all over when I've got, you know, time on, on my hands, so to speak. Um, so where was the point with just a couple minutes here, where was the point where you decided that you needed to write a book? Yeah. Um, so I told my parents that I had that epiphany of the five to six years for the tumor to grow. And then I ended up telling them, um, that this was for them. And Remember when I was saying that got uh, the tumor, they didn't get all of it. Yeah. As I was in there, I prayed to God when I was getting a follow-up MRI to remove it, and he removed it. And it was like this miracle. I've had 20-plus MRIs more than anybody in Flagstaff history, and still no tumor. Awesome. And so that's the miracle. Um, and so sharing that with my parents, um, and I was like, man, okay, other people need to hear what I've gone through because really 
what makes an inspiring person is overcoming the adversity, the obstacles and the challenges. Nobody thinks of somebody that's inspiring as somebody that hasn't overcome, right? Right. You, you look to those for, for purpose, for, for, for driving those different types of things. So I was like, okay, this is what I went through is a gift and I need to share this gift with other people. And other people need to recognize too, that they have gifts, whether it's depression, anxiety, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. other people can relate to similar things that you go through. Mm -hmm. And if you can look at that as a gift that you have, instead of a negative experience, Absolutely. completely changes your outcome and can really help change and make, and make people's lives better. So. Abs I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, with just a couple minutes remaining, remind us again the title of your book and where can it be found? Yeah, uh, it's the greatest gift I never asked for because um, nobody wants to have a spinal cord tumor. <laughs> no. um, and it's, uh, it's available on Amazon. Okay. Um, through a through Kindle or paperback copy. Wow. So, still so many more questions, but I don't have the time, and I'm sure this book will have the answers. So, anyone who's interested in hearing more about your journey, they need to find your book. Uh, I think I'm going to look it up myself. I'm always inspired by everyone's stories because I have my own, but I'm like, I'm good with what I've got, and uh, I work with what I've got, as I hear you have done with yours. My final question is this. What message would you like to leave our listeners based on your walk of life, your journey, or just about life in general? Yeah. Um, so one, we all have a gift. Um, and, and it's not something that you think of. Right. Um, and then two, um, God is real. Um, you know, and, and why does, why does bad things happen to good people? Um, if you think about God, right? He's an all loving God. If, if everybody who believed in God never had anything bad happen to them, it would not require faith to believe in God. And therefore we would be forced to love him. Oh. And so I really hope that, you know, people understand that because it's an all loving God wants us free will to be able to believe in him. And so, you know, if he just did a blanket statement, everybody that believes in me, who's a Christian that follows God, nothing bad will happen to you. Everybody's going to believe that. Right. But God, that would take away our free will if we did that. And God's not about that. He wants us. And so God is there. Show up halfway and he will meet you there. You reach out to God, he will be there. And so that's what I want to leave us with. I love that message. And you know, the first thing that I think most of us who are believers in God, because we know that not everyone is, when something bad does happen to someone we care about or even ourselves, the first thing we get mad is, God, how could you do something so bad? You said it in the very beginning, I'm a good kid. I don't do anything wrong. How come? Why? This isn't fair. But then you also said, it's not just about why me, it's why not me. And you're a Absolutely. walking testimony of that right now through your book, through what you just said in this interview, and through every day that people have um, come in their path with you. So I uh, commend you for continuing to move forward and, and showing that even though there are doctors out there, they are, human, they are human beings as well. They don't know the power of you, and they definitely don't know the power of our God, right? Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you for being my guest today. That was pretty powerful, Shane. Thank you. Thank you so much. Blessed to be here. So thank you. Oh, as well as I. 
To my listeners, thank you yet again for listening to another amazing journey and story. Wow, I love doing this. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story, or there's an organization that you feel needs to be recognized for what they're doing in the community, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.